In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Can you picture that? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. <laughs> I've got a big four-letter word for you. I want you to guess what it is. It starts with an H. <laughs> yes, that's it. Hope. Hope. Hope is a big four-letter word. Hope is a big four-letter word. Hope is something we need. We need it because we recognize there's something like deficient or wanting, right? We hope maybe that our lives can be different. We hope that something is going to happen in the future that's going to be great. We have, we have hope because we need hope because there's brokenness in our world. We hope for a better day because the current one oftentimes is not so great. In our current state of brokenness, our world's wanton and deficient state, hope is something that we absolutely need. And hope is not only a big word, big concept. It's a powerful thing. What would the hope of a whole new world, one free of death and pain and sickness and disease and injustice and loss, what would it mean for you? What would it mean? Can you picture a world like that? What would it mean to have that kind of hope for your life today, to know that the day is coming when there will be no more pain, no more sickness, no more injustice, no more war, no more famine? If you could have a hope that big, that powerful. If you could have a hope that a world like that was coming, how would it change your life today? More cookies. <laughs> Speaking of cookies, not really. Um, <laughs> a number of years ago, our family went, actually, so my sister wasn't there and her husband and two kids, but the rest of us, my two biological boys, my mom and my dad and Kat, went to Disneyland. Planned his trip to Disneyland, right? It was great. As soon as we knew we were going to go, I was like counting down the days, and all the more the boys were counting down the days. Just anticipating that this trip to the greatest place on earth was inspiring. Right? Because things can do that to us. Like, as soon as you know that there's this thing coming that's in the future, this date that's set, that everything is going to be kind of awesome for, you hope it usually doesn't turn out as... I broke my tooth when we were down there. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But like, but, like, it can inspire us. It can change us. It can, like, help us get through the day or through the week or through the month or sometimes through the year if we, like, know this future thing is coming that's just going to be awesome. Right? That's, that's incredible. That's, that's hope. 
Let's hope we have hope and anticipation that this thing is going to come. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be enjoyable. It's like, you guys know that feeling of hope? That like, that like you all of a sudden, like in the midst of a day, you, you think it's like, for me, it's like right here, you know? And it just like kind of wells up inside of me. And I'm like, golly, I just can't wait. I can picture it. It's going to be great. We're going to all be in that big log, right? Going down that steep thing. And we're going to have our hands in the air screaming, right? We're going to get a picture of it. And oh my goodness. And we're going to have these memories. These memories are going to, they're going to be awesome. They're going to be great. We're going to have a fun time. I'll put my, put Luke on my shoulders and then we'll walk around with him. And oh yeah. I mean, it can just inspire you to think about the day that's coming and inspire you in a way to kind of get you through some of the some of the more difficult times. It's amazing to me that simply having future plans for a time of an anticipated joy, the, the hope that for even just a few days of fun that's coming in the future, that it can change you. Just knowing the day is coming begins to impact you inside. Hope can change everything. Even before the thing hoped for, it can change you. But of course, what the world needs is not a trip to Disneyland, although some of you might be thinking, I'll go. <laughs> we, need, we need a hope bigger than a few days of fun and a distraction from reality. And we need a way greater hope than that. We need a hope that it, it's not a distraction from reality, but one that addresses our reality. We need a hope of a world where we are not ruled by fear, a world where the love of God and of one another is greater than the love of money or than the love of power or of self. We need a hope of a world where justice and righteousness have become our natural responses. Can you imagine that for a second? Can you imagine when, like, your natural response is to love? It's just a second, it's like just what you do. It's just second nature. You just do it. You don't think about it. You just do it. You guys are all looking at me like, I do that already. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. No. <laughs> can you imagine that, though? Can you imagine just a love response all the time coming out of you? A justice response coming out of you all the time? Can you imagine this world where death and fear of death does not rule our hearts and minds? A couple of weeks ago, we were talking and about fear of death, about the, what God has done is overcoming the fear of death for us. And how many decisions boil down to fear of death? How many things do we do that we wouldn't do if it wasn't for the fear of death? Can you imagine a hope that huge? Because if a hope, the hope associated with a trip to Disneyland coming can inspire and change us, and if we can recognize that a hope like that can get us through a day or maybe inspire us or encourage us, just think for a second how the hope of a, of a new existence and a new creation can inspire and change us. Because that's what Easter hope is. Easter is that hope. 
Jesus is that hope. Resurrection is that hope. Resurrection is the hope of a new creation. A new creation, a new heavens, a new earth, a new you. A new you where love is the natural response. You wouldn't even think to do anything different. Now when I say new creation, it's not one that discounts the former or the present one, but one that flows from one into the new with great continuity. It's not a total break from what we know. The hope of resurrection that we have is not a total break from the experience of life as we currently have it. It's just one that's free from hatred and free from the fear of death. It's a new creation that takes into consideration the eternal goodness of creation and the perfect skillfulness of the Creator and redeems or restores to newness what once was. It's a new creation to a former glory. The resurrection and the hope of resurrection that we have in light of Jesus' resurrection? And what that means for creation is, is more like a, a car or a house that's being restored. It's, it's made new. It's made new, but it's, it's made new in a way that's design is not lost. Your new you that you one day will be is in great continuity with the you that now is. John's gospel is all about finding this life-changing hope of a new creation, a new you, and a whole new creation in Jesus and his resurrection. The opening of John's gospel sets the stage for this new hope of a new creation by echoing Genesis. John writes it this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So back there, those hovering over the waters, right? The Word is there. He was, he was with God, the Word was, and the Word was God. Try and wrap your mind around that for a second. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made, Right? All things were made, and him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome or has not understood it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the, word, the world did not recognize him. They came, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a husband's decision, or a, a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
This opening section of John's gospel is rightly referred to as the prologue. And it offers us a foretaste of the entire gospel. Or one of the major motifs is to contrast light and darkness. Here's just a few of the scriptures where the gospel of John does this contrast to light and darkness. All bringing us back to Genesis. One is the one I just read. A number of them are there. In him was life, and that life was a light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not understood it. He came as a witness, John, to testify concerning that light, so through him all might believe. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that it might be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the light. This nearly constant interplay between light and darkness should again remind us of the beginning of the first creation where God separated light and dark and made the first day. In separating light from darkness, the Word created order out of chaos and makes creation, makes the earth inhabitable. Makes it livable. Makes it negotiable. You ever try and negotiate outside and pitch darkness? It's kind of hard to live in darkness. You stumble, you fall, you don't see things. You could walk into a hole, for goodness sake. Darkness becomes a metaphor for what is wrong with the world, for what is chaotic, for what, for lack of better terms, just sucks the life out of you. And what needs to be overcome. This metaphorical use of darkness is what has come because of our own brokenness, our own sin, our own rebellion, our own hatred of God. And what is needed to overcome this darkness that's kind of consumed us is an act of new creation. A fresh speaking of order into the world, a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God into the world. The Word made flesh. This word that God originally spoke and made light and separated light from darkness. This world made flesh to fulfill, not just bringing light into darkness on day one, but to restore all days of creation, culminating in the sixth day when God, through the word, once again, made us, made humans, made man and women. After which... In the first creation, God proclaimed that it is finished and then entered a time of rest. You know the story, right? Six days of creation, one day of rest. First day, light from darkness. Sixth day, us all. Well, not literally us all on that day, but we'd be really old if that was the case. And it's no accident that 
It was on the sixth day of the week that Jesus uttered, it is finished. Teleos. We usually think about that from he's bore the sin of the world, right? I'm not so certain that we're right when it comes to John's gospel about that. Maybe it's part of it, but it's kind of peculiar that he's actually quoting from Genesis from the cross saying it is finished. What is finished? Bearing the sin of the world? Sure, that's part of it. But what else is finished? Genesis 2.1, it is complete. This act of new creation that Jesus is doing for us. The work needing to lay the foundation for a new creation to overcome the darkness that's in the world, to overcome the darkness that's in us. In the death of Jesus, the work of new creation is completed. The actual experience of new creation, resurrection is still to come, but the work necessary for new creation to come has been completed. And just as God rested on the seventh day, so too does the incarnate word of God, Jesus, rest in the tomb. You ever heard this take before on Easter events? So what comes after the seventh day? This is not a profound question, by the way. It's a very simple question with a very simple answer. What comes after the seventh day? The first day. The first day. The first day of the week after Jesus' resurrection. It does not simply start a new week. It started a new hope of a new creation. A new creation through the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits. A hope that can change you now. Because death has been overcome. Darkness has been overcome. The darkness in you has been overcome if you surrender yourself to Jesus, the light of the world. Let's go back to John's gospel for a moment and actually get to the typically referred to as the Easter story. Early on the first day of the week. The first day of the week. Well, it was still dark. This is from John 20. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. John's gospel captures this first day of the dawning of this hope of new creation. Early in the first day of the week. But then he makes sure that he mentions, well, it was still dark. True to John's task, he is still echoing the beginning of creation. But if this act of new creation has happened, why is it, why is it still dark? Shouldn't lightness have, have come at this point? Why does this story of Easter start off with the dark? Darkness is still upon us. Why is it still dark? Mary does not know that Jesus has been resurrected. She doesn't, she doesn't know the new creation has dawned. She doesn't know the light has been ordered and darkness has been overcome. 
See, unlike the first creation, part of this new creation is voluntary. It's one that comes through discovering the hope of Jesus resurrected. We enter into this new creation at whatever point we come to realize that hope. Prior to that, we're still in darkness. We haven't been enlightened. We haven't had our minds open to what it is that God is doing and the power that he has in this creation. Unlike the first creation that was made without permission of the one made, like, I don't know, does anybody of you, like, line up before you were made and God is like, hey, do you mind becoming a person? It was bad theology, be honest with you, if anybody tried to tell you that's the case. Because he makes us. But then this opportunity to step into the light and receive becoming a new creation is something he wants us to participate with, something he wants us to receive. You can receive it or you can reject it. You can step into the light or you can remain in darkness. You can love darkness or you can love light. It was still dark when Mary went to the tomb because the risen sun had not become visible yet. It was because the risen sun had not yet appeared to Mary. She did not know about the hope of resurrection that she had available to her. She did not know about the light. She knew a lot about Jesus. But who would have ever thunk this? She was still in darkness. She needed to discover for herself the hope of resurrection and of new creation. Return to John chapter 20. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Who would have thunk it? He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Sorry, I'm reading this over again. Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary? She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. It was only after Mary encountered the risen Christ. It was only after she heard his voice. Only after she turned and saw him did she receive him. It was only then that she could have a hope that would transform her. Jesus made known to Mary the hope 
she would have not even known to hope for. And Mary received it. Going all the way back to John, to the prologue of John's Gospel. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. New creation, new life, found in the hope of the resurrected Jesus. Without this hope, without the hope of resurrection, we're led by the fear of death. Without the hope of resurrection, we are like dead people walking. We need hope, but we need this hope. We need the hope that God is doing something so huge in our world that it's going to change us so deeply that our natural responses will be to love. We need this hope. And it exists. This hope is alive. His name is Jesus. And you all have been offered new life in Him. Becoming a new creation in Him as He is redeeming all things. This new life that we can have in Christ begins when we believe. And reminiscent of our first creation, in the first creation story, God breathes His Spirit into us anew. Do you remember this in John's Gospel as well? Where the disciples are huddled in an upper room after the resurrection, but prior to their experience of the resurrected Jesus, He appears to His disciples and He says, What? Do not fear. Don't fear. You don't need to fear death anymore. He appears to them. They don't yet believe, but after they see, they believe, and He breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. New birth. New creation by the Spirit of God poured out through the work of Christ on all flesh. If you believe. The Holy Spirit is resurrection power in us. But again, like our first birth, we have to be formed. We have to grow up. I don't know anybody that just came into existence as a fully formed person. That would be really a difficult birth. C-section for sure. (laughs) And I've known some big babies to be born. But it's not just that. It's formation of your character. We have to grow up in that first birth. A new creation is, is like that. The power of resurrection, the Holy Spirit is in you. But it's something that we have to participate with. To both receive and to grow into. Just as we had to learn to walk and talk and act. 
After our first birth, we need to learn to walk and talk and act in our second. This act of new creation through resurrection and through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to be formed. We have to be formed to be like Jesus. Jesus is a light of the world and he can, praise God, sort out our lives and deal with the chaos through this act of new creation. But we have to be formed. You have to be formed. You don't always like it. I don't always like it. We don't always like it. But the reality is we've got to work at it. It's like working out. It's like exercising. You've got to participate with it. We live in this like instant this and instant that world where patience is rare. And we want to turn sometimes resurrection into that, but we can't do it. We can't turn resurrection into an instant this or an instant that. No matter how hard people try, we have to recognize that this power, yes, it comes into us and it is power. And yes, it might come into you in a moment, but it takes a lifetime of cooperation and a lifetime of formation. New creation and resurrection and the Holy Spirit come to you as a gift, as grace. But while grace is opposed to earning, it is not opposed to effort. We live in a world, brothers and sisters, where people walk in darkness, in the darkness of chaos and of uncreation, and we have a Savior that has come to offer us new life, to offer us a new creation, being new creatures in Christ. And we need to be born again as children of light and learn to allow God to form us. We've walked in chaos and we need our world to be ordered. And for sure, it is bigger than anything we can do alone. Just like Mary had Jesus appear to her, we need Jesus to appear to us. We need to learn to listen for his voice. It's not really very hard to see. This world needs an act of new creation. Not if we are embracing that this creation was good in its formation. Because it's really messed up. To be honest with you, I'm really messed up. And I hate to tell you this if you didn't already know it, but you're really messed up. I know, right? I had no clue. Really pulling the wool over my eyes for a while, Brandy, but finally figured you out. It's not hard to see. You need it, I need it, this world needs it. And Jesus shows up in this world that loved darkness and hates the light. And he, he dies. Because he loves it so much, even though it, even though it hated him. 
but he died in order for us to have hope beyond the grave. If Jesus hadn't died, if he hadn't been resurrected, not only would new creation not have begun, but we would not have the hope that overcomes this world. We would not be able to get all excited someplace right in this region, anticipating this day in which everything is put right. A day that's being formed in you, even this day. Do you believe it? Do you believe resurrection? Do you believe Jesus has been resurrected? Do you believe the power of resurrection is in you right now? Because it begins with believing, with faith, with trust. Can we hope in a hope that big? Can, can you hope in a hope that big? I, I know you can. I know you can. I know you do. And the more we can hope in it, the more it will change you. It will not just change you one day in the twinkling of an eye, but it will change you today. Let's go to Disneyland. No? No. No, that's, that's a hope that's come and gone. That's a hope that's here today and gone tomorrow. But this hope that we have in Jesus is firm. He is transforming you. He is transforming this world. He is doing an act of new creation in you. I see it in you. Randy, I see it in you. Tris, I see it in you. I see it in you. I see it in you, Kat, my wife. Praise God. <laughs> she might see it in me. I see it in you. I see Christ's likeness forming in you. I see you becoming new creation. New creations in Christ. I see it. Bethann, I see it in you. My goodness. Mm, I see it. And it's beautiful. And it inspires me. And it gives me hope to see the power of Jesus at work in your lives. Doing things, y'all, that I know you can't do. <laughs> I know you can't do by your own strength. We do this together as we, as we journey ahead with every day drawing closer to whatever day is going to be that day. When, when Jesus, as the first fruits of the resurrection, will appear to us as we share in his resurrection together and experience that transformation where this world is truly put to rights. That is a hope, brothers and sisters, that can inspire us for a lifetime. Let's seek to live in that hope. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for inspiring us with hope. Thank you that hope is not just a little tiny word or a little tiny concept, but it's kind of too big for us to even wrap our minds around. But thank you that it changes us. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us hope beyond anything we could have imagined. Thank you for bringing new creation. Thank you, Word of God, in becoming incarnate, walking amongst us, bearing our sin, finishing this act of new creation, resting and appearing to us that we might discover the hope we have in you. Thank you that... In your way, you have appeared to every one of us 
that we might glimpse you and be inspired. Help us to be formed in you. We love you, Jesus, and we praise your holy name. Amen.